0: how you doing tonight good hey it is good to be with you men I, I love men conference I just got back uh, last weekend from a linked retreat anybody on the link retreat here that was awesome it was, it was great to be with men doing men things uh, riding bikes together fantastic I love it love singing together as men however the the women do have something on us it's true it's this uh, way that women greet each other. Us men, we, we don't have it figured out yet. See, when we come to greet one another, we don't quite know what to do at times. Are we going for the handshake? Or are we going for the knuckles? Right? I, I, don't, I don't know. Right? And even at this link retreat, there was this argument going on. What about the bro hug? Right? There can be that awkward thing, and so uh, saying goodbye to people at the link retreat, this one guy, he came from out of state to come here, and he went to say goodbye to the other guy, and he went straight for the hug. And the other guy was like, whoa, 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 what, what are you doing? There's a way to do a hug here, it's called the bro hug. And so I had to actually look this up, the bro hug, how to execute the bro hug. This is what you do. First, put your hand out, and you gotta clasp somebody else's hand, and then, you bring it in, but you got to make sure there's a, a little space there, right? You don't want to get too close, and then you can pat each other on the back one, one time, one time. That's it. That's it. So there's the, the bro hug. See, and I, I think we're still confused. I don't know if we're going to shake hands. I don't know if we're going to do the knuckles. I don't know if we're going to do the hug or if we're going to go for the bro hug. I, I don't know what it is. We, we're confused on this, But the Bible is pretty clear that we as men need to be involved in each other's lives. We need to have intimate relationships with one another. We need to care about one another. We need to care about one another's sanctification. We need to care about one another's pursuit of God, love for God. We need to care about each other and and how they live and how, how we act and how we are as godly men pursuing a relationship with Christ being more like Christ every single day and if we care about each other we really need to be involved in each other's lives I want to go to this New Testament passage Galatians chapter 6 if you're doing the DBR with us the daily Bible reading we read this past today we're just going to look at one verse here in Galatians chapter 6 now the word nutheteo is not in this passage But the concept is there, this word to counsel, to admonish, to instruct one another. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So this word... Nutheteo is about counseling, about instructing, about caring for each other, making sure that we are living a life that is in keeping with biblical principles. And here, there's this concept of this counseling. Now, what happens if someone has gone astray? And Pastor Mike talked about this word parakleo, which means to come alongside, to encourage. He gave that illustration about that knee brace, to keep it in line, keep it going in the right direction that support that we're supposed to be with one another. This is, we don't even have this word in this passage. Instead, the word that we're focusing on here is to restore, not to keep in place, but when something has gone wrong, this is katatio, something where, where man has gone down. Now, this is a soccer player, so he's probably faking it, right? There's an act going on, right? It's true, right? I mean, you watch soccer. Like, they just fake it all the time. You don't know if it's real or not, and it's usually it's not real, but like, this is something you're not faking, right? Some, something has gone wrong here. This is, you, you can't fake this. This is, man is down, he needs some help. Something needs to be restored here. There is a, something that's really broken, something that is damaged. Now, that's, that's what we should care about each other. When someone else is sinning, when someone else does something that is out of line of what the scripture calls us to do, or do we care enough to get involved and to restore what is, what is broken, what went wrong, what went bad? My daughter, she, she broke her bone uh, at Revival this, this summer. And it wasn't just, okay, we're just going to put a brace on it. She had to get surgery. She had to get a calf. Cath- it had to be restored because we wanted to make sure that she would continue to grow. The, her, her arm would continue to grow the right way. And so there was, had, had to be medical attention, surgery. I mean, it was an involved process. And sometimes being involved in other men's life, it can get ugly. It can be expensive. It can take your time. But you have to be able to jump in and say, I am there to restore. To really get involved in somebody else's life. To care about somebody that much where I will jump in and expend myself because I love this brother. So point number one, I said it like this. You need to increase your brotherly love. You need to increase your brotherly love. We should have this kind of love for one another. As Pastor Mike was talking about teammates, we should care about the other people on the team. How we are standing before the Lord. It's not just encouraging them in the right direction, but when they go in the wrong direction, when they stumble and when they fall, are we there to help restore them, to get them back on track? Because sin is damaging. And if we really care about each other when we sin, it's not if, but when we sin, do we have somebody there that is gonna help us and restore us and call us out the way that God would want us to be involved in each other's lives so when we sin so for letter A we got to realize that relationships have been damaged now with sin relationships have been damaged that's our, our ultimate problem with God is our relationship with God has been damaged because of sin so, when we talk about counseling or admonishing or instructing, encouraging, or even restoring somebody into a right relationship, first we've got to say, are they even in a right relationship? And hopefully, all of us are in relationships with other people that are not saved yet, that are not following God. And if they're not following God, it's not that we're restoring them into a a proper right relationship as they were walking once with him. We're restoring them, reconciling them into a brand new, beginning a relationship with God as they were intended. So I just wanna encourage us, right, as men that we are out there, we're evangelizing, we're uh, giving the gospel the message of reconciliation because that's what God calls us to do. But here there is something where there's this, as brothers, as a family, as people that are intimately involved in each other's lives that we are supposed to, to restore. Because sin caused damage in relationships, even as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, my sin causes a damage. It damages my relationship with my Heavenly Father. 1 Peter chapter 3, you can turn there. One, pa- one, one verse that I'm just going to refer to here. But it's instructing husbands on how to live with their wives. We should know this passage. We should have this memorized. But it says, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to her as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life. And then it says this, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Meaning, if I am not showing honor to my wife, if I am sinning against my wife, if I'm not living with my wife in this understanding way that God calls me to, what happens with my relationship with God? It's damaged. My prayers are hindered. I'm not able to communicate with my heavenly father the way that I should be. So sin, even as a Christian, it's damaging my relationship with God. It's not severing. It doesn't mean I don't have a relationship with God anymore. But my relationship with God is not intact the way that it should be. And if I am sinning that way, as a brother, you should care about that. If you are sinning that way, as a brother, I should care about that because I should care about your relationship with the Lord because it's being damaged, not only that, our relationship horizontally with other people. And if I am sinning against my wife and not living with her in an understanding way, not honoring her, my relationship with my wife is obviously going to be damaged as well. I'd hope you'd care about my relationship with my wife. I care about your relationship with your wife. Or if you're sinning against somebody else, a co-worker, a brother in church, one of your children, a right, relationship, sin damages those relationships. And as fellow brothers in the same family, we need to care because we should have that love and that concern for one another because of the causes of sin. So with sin, we realize relationships, they've been damaged, but also we understand that there will be a consequence. There there will be consequences. There will be a judgment for us as Christians, 2 Corinthians 5.10, says all of us one day will stand before God, the bema seat judgment, and we'll each give an account to him so that we may receive what we have done in the body, whether good or bad. One day us as Christians, we're gonna stand before God. Our sins will have a consequence, not that we're gonna be separated from God and cast out into hell, but we will miss out on rewards. As a brother in Christ, I hope you care about my eternal my, my eternal spot in the kingdom, about my standing before Christ as I give account. And if we're gonna care about each other, we need to get involved because if we don't get involved, we will keep on sinning. If someone is not pointing out that sin to us or not gonna get involved, not gonna to help to restore, most likely that person is gonna keep on going down that track and not brought back into the right place in following God's word the way that he calls us to follow. So we need to have this brotherly love where we will be willing to jump in because we care about the consequences for our brother. Back in Galatians 6.1, it says someone needs to do something. Someone needs to restore this brother. And it tells us who. It says, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So my question is, who are are the, the spiritual ones? Who are the one that should be restoring in this spirit of gentleness? If we really care about each other, now we got the person who is supposed to come alongside and to restore. It's not the pastors. It's not the awesome Christians that are living their life where you look at them and say, oh man, that person has it all together. Their marriage is intact. Their their life is in order. The way that they raise their children. Man, they're an exemplary person just by the way that they talk and interact. They're a leader. They're leading a small group. That's not the person either. Though it doesn't exclude those people. Really, I think what Paul is referring to here, the those who are spiritual should restore is those who are Christians. Just in, earlier in Galatians chapter five, it says that Christians are supposed to exhibit the fruit of what? The Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Right? Christians are supposed to have the Holy Spirit inside of them and we're supposed to walk according to the Spirit so we do not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're supposed to keep in step with the Spirit. Not the super Christians, not the awesome Christians, Christians. And so when it says here, who should restore this brother, the spiritual ones, the, the ones who are walking with Christ, the ones that love Christ, the ones that are following God, brothers are supposed to restore one another. So that's you. If you have repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are called to restore another brother. If they get out of line, if they mess up, if they sin, to restore the spiritual ones. He so, said, hey, with sin, hey, we've we got to make sure we are the spiritual ones, that you are willing to say, I am the spiritual one. I am following Christ. <laughs> Romans 15, 14, I love this passage. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He says this, Pastor Mike referred to this passage. He says, I myself am satisfied about you. I'm confident in you, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, And then it says, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. It says, you, brothers, in the church, because you are in the church, you are part of the universal church, you are Christians, I'm confident about you that you are full of goodness and full of knowledge that you're able to instruct, to admonish, to correct one another. You are capable of doing that. Do you feel that you're capable to do that? As you know God, as you know his word, are you able to actually speak of his word to other people to restore them in a biblical way based on biblical principles? It's an encouraging verse that we should take confidence in as we are living out God's word in our life that we can now teach that word to other people, to point other people to the truth of God's word. letter D, so we also need to get close enough to call out your brother. With sin, if you're going to call out your brother, if you're going to restore your brother, you got to be in a relationship with that brother. That's why I think that word brother is so helpful, because when we think of brothers, we think of family, our biological family. We think of there's supposed to be this closeness in your biological family, and in your spiritual family, there is supposed to be this closeness. And in every family, there are family problems, right? No one comes from a perfect family. You don't have a perfect brother. You are not a perfect brother. There is sin in the family. But what is the family going to do about it? How is the family going to respond? In my family, there was this situation, and it wasn't just my immediate family. It was an extended family where one of the family members really went off the radar. And it was a discussion, well, who's going to call this guy out? Who's going to approach him? Who's going to talk to him? And the question that was raised, well, who's got the best relationship with him? Who is the closest with him? Who would he be most receptive to hear from this admonishment, this correction? Because closeness was important. When you think about other people in here, who are you close with? Who is close to you? Who would you call out and who would call you out? Do you have brothers in here that you say, I would call that person out because I want to be a good godly brother. I am close to these people. Do you have people in your life, right? Brothers in the church that would call you out, that you know if you were out of line, if you fell, you would have three, four, five guys knocking on your door, texting you, calling you because they were close to you. They're brothers to you. You need to be a brother in somebody else, else's life. and You need to have brothers in your life. Obviously, we are the family of God. We're all brothers here. But you should have close brothers. That's why I think it's so helpful. One of the things that we talk about here at the church is, are you in a small group? Do you have people in your life that know you? That know what is going on in your life, that you know what is going on in their life? Are you involved in a small group, whether it's a men's Bible study group or just one of our small groups, where people really know you and they have a love for you? And they care about if you are sinning or not, they care about if you are living according to God's word or not, and they're willing to get in your face in a loving way and to call you out. Do you have that? And argue that to somebody else. To a plurality of of, uh, other brothers. Who are those people? And I'd say, if you don't have him, if you don't have those brothers in your life, it's it's time to get him. Proverbs 18, that says that he who lives in isolation, he's a fool. The one who separates himself from other people, that person is a fool. It's a foolish thing to do. Why? Because if you aren't with the pack, Right? You're going to go astray. You're going to get picked off. You need to be with a pack. You need other people to keep you in line. you got to understand, as brothers, if we're following, we are sinful. We do things that we should not do. But do we have other people in our life that are going to restore us? What it says here is with that spirit of, of gentleness. They're doing it in love. They care they're going to get on you because they care about you and they're going to say it in a loving way. They're going to say, as Pastor Mike said, in a wise way, not just throwing things out at you, but they're going to come alongside you to restore. Back to Galatians. It says, it's not only do we need to call out our brothers, it's So we gotta call out the respectable sins. Meaning, Galatians 1 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, it's not just the big things. It's not if a guy's going off and you think, oh man, I don't know what's going on with his marriage. Is he sleeping around? Is he committing adultery? Oh, maybe he's committing fraud. I don't know what he's doing. It's not talking about the big things here. Galatians 6, 1 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, in any sin, You who are spiritual should restore him. The respectable sins, the sins that you commit. Usually, we're okay correcting someone in sins that we don't commit because then we feel like, okay, I'm not a hypocrite. I don't want to call somebody out on being harsh with their wife if I know that I was harsh with my wife the other day. Why? Because I'll feel I'll feel like a hypocrite. And in one sense, you are a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites. We all are saying, let's live like Christ. Let's do the things that God calls us to do. And we all fall short. But what God calls us to do in Matthew 7 is not, where it says, do not judge or you'll be judged. It's not to not judge, but it says, don't judge with hypocritical judgment, realizing that I can fall too. But I'll still speak up. I'll still correct you in love. And all of the sins, any transgressions, that word "caught" right there doesn't mean that you are the spiritual police, the fruit inspector. You're going out and you're looking for sin in somebody else's life. It means you, you come upon it. You realize it. You see it. You're, you witness it. You observe it. You're involved in somebody else's life so much as a brother that you see when they sin. You're in communication with each other where you realize and you know and you observe it. It's not that you're going out and trying to be that holy one, that, the, the detective that's going out and trying to find out every time someone else is sinning, but you're involved in such a way where, where it's there. you see it. you've got to have friends like that you've got to be around people. but if you're talking about things, right the respectable sins, the sin that men struggle with, let's just talk about one that We'll talk about several, but one here that is so rampant. And sometimes this is not just, it doesn't just come out where we're caught. But if you talk to somebody and you ask them a question, a specific question, how are you doing with your sexual purity? What are they going to say? If you're a brother and you care about them, will you ask them that question? How is your sexual purity? Purity. You guys, we live in an age, a digital age, where pornography is just at our fingertips. The statistics about pornography is is unreal when you think about the magnitude of how many people it is affecting. In a size, a room of this size with this many men, there are multiple people in here that are either trying to go under the radar or who are struggling greatly, maybe they have confessed this or they're working through it, but are struggling with pornography. 40 million Americans regularly visit porn sites every single day. 40 million. 40 million. 68 million million internet searches are related to pornography each day. Every second, 28,258 users are watching pornography on the internet. There's one stat that said that 70% of young men, 18 18 to 24, are watching pornography daily. 70%. Because it's so accessible. It's at their fingertips. Brothers. Are you caught in a transgression? Do you have somebody there that will call you out on this? And it's not just about calling somebody out and saying, hey, you're in sin. It's about restoring somebody, coming alongside somebody, saying, hey, I'm gonna work through this with you. I'm gonna pray through this with you. I'm gonna be your accountability partner. When are you struggling When are you going on a road trip? What's going on with your marriage? Are you pursuing your wife the way that you should? Are you being intimate with her? This is real. But do we care about each other where we say, I'm going to be one of those brothers that will be bold and care enough, have that love for somebody else where I'm going to jump in, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to ask the tough questions in the small groups. Why? Because they're my brothers. I care about them. I care about the relationship with God. I care about the relationship with their wives. Speaking about wives, what about harshness with your wife or your children? What about that sin? Maybe you don't struggle with pornography. Great. How are you doing just at communicating with your wife, communicating, discipling your children? Colossians 3.19 says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Does somebody in your life have the freedom to ask your wife in front of you, how is he doing? How is your husband doing at communicating with you, at loving you, at not being harsh? One of my buddies, I I ask him this question all the time. say, how are you doing at loving your wife? Are you harsh with her? She's on the phone right now. Ask her. It's an it's open conversation. Why? Because he wants to love his wife. He doesn't want to be harsh with her. He wants that brotherly love. I want to have that brotherly love where I will ask him those questions. Why? Because if he is going out of line, I want to restore him. I want those same questions to be asked to me about your children. How are you doing at your children, with your children, discipling your children, being patient with them? Are you frustrated? Are you irritable? What does that look like? Do you have men in your life that will ask you those questions? Not the big sins, maybe. Maybe they can go under the radar. But sin that will damage your relationship with God, that will damage your relationship with your wife or your children, somebody that you love. Got to have men that will care about that in your life. It was about just laziness at home. Are you lazy when you get home? Maybe you are hardworking at work, but when you get home, it's, you, it's your time. You single people out there who are working, and then you get home, and now it says, it's my time. Young people might be playing video games. You might be going out and doing whatever you want, but you are not using your time in a way that would honor the Lord. I'm not against video games. You can play video games, but if that's all you're doing, right, and you're, you're lazy and you are not working when you get home, doing other things, whether it's serving in the church, serving in ministry, discipling other people, and you're lazy, do you have somebody in your life that is going to call you out on that? It's going to restore you. Or maybe you are a husband with children and you get home and when you get home, your wife's been working all day caring for the kids and you get home and it's like my time to check out. Why? Because I've worked all day. Your wife's been working all day too. Do you check out or do you check in and say, okay, now it's my time to put on my husband hat and my dad hat and get home and get to work with your wife and partnering her in that parenting that you're called to do? Do you have somebody in your life that's asking you those questions? And if you are struggling with that or coming alongside you to restore you, struggling with anxiety, men can struggle with anxiety just as women struggle with anxiety. But what the Bible tells us is not to be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, right, make a request known to God. Now, we're not supposed to live in a state of anxiety, a state of anxiousness. We're supposed to give those requests to God. So maybe something is going on at work that you are really struggling with or something is going on in your family that is causing you anxiety. Are you letting somebody else know or somebody else's permission to ask you those questions every single time that they see you? Why? So we won't be anxious. So we will put our trust in the Lord. So we'll make our requests known to God. We have those people in our lives. Anxiety, is not really that big of a deal. No, this is, God tells us not to be anxious about anything. It's not the big sin. Yeah, it's not the big sin. But it's damaging our relationship with God because God doesn't want us to be anxious. He wants us to trust in him. These little sins, the respectable sins, these everyday sins. What about the sin of unthankfulness? Are you thankful, as it says in First Thess 5, 18, in all circumstances? To be thankful always? Or do you have a grumbling heart? You're not content. You're dissatisfied. and You grumble against God. Who is pointing this out to you in your life? Got to have a brother. You got to be a brother. Anger. It's an easy one. Sinful speech. How's that? Slandering, gossiping. Harsh words, we talked about that. Crude joking. What is coming out of your mouth? takes boldness to actually say something to somebody else, to speak up, to not be quiet. Different situations where you can see guys that that are talking and you realize that someone else is saying something that they shouldn't say, whether it's gossip or slander and I've been in these situations before. That person will leave and the other two guys will look at each other, can't believe you just said that. Why, why didn't myself or somebody else say that to that person right there? Were we afraid? We weren't bold? Ultimately, we didn't, ha- we didn't have enough love for that person. But it takes boldness and it takes love to actually speak up and call somebody out and not to allow someone to continue in that sin, sin that they might not even see, sin that they might not even recognize. It's like this cancer growing in them and they don't even see it, but it needs to be pointed out. Galatians 6, 1. We gotta have these brothers in our lives that will care for us. You gotta be a brother that will care for the people. Pastor might kid on this well, but lastly, we need to restore with humility. We're gonna be involved in each other's life. You gotta understand that you can commit the same sins, transgress in the same way as your brother. So when you come alongside somebody, it's not pointing out their sin, pointing their, your finger in their chest and say, how dare you? Because that could be the same thing that you are doing. You don't want to be that hypocrite. Cumbling, coming with humility. It's like you see that person that, that is drowning out there. You've all heard stories about someone who's drowning and someone goes out to save the person drowning. What happens? They both drown. Thinking, I'm so confident, I'm going to go out there and save that person. And they both end up drowning. Galatians 6 1, it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, that's Christians, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, with humility. But here's also the humility. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. You can get pulled down by somebody else by just thinking, I'm going to go help that person. By being around sin, you can get pulled down into that sin. 1 Corinthians 10 after a great verse, or before a great verse on, on temptation, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God's faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Great, encouraging verse. No temptation has overtaken you. You can get out of anything. Why? Because God's faithful. You can trust in him. He will give you a way of escape. But the verse before it Verse 12, it says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he falls. You think you are not vulnerable to to the same kind of sin that your brother's struggling with? Maybe you're not harsh with your wife, but your brother is. You can easily take that turn and become harsh with your wife. You think you're you're, you're not vulnerable to uh, pornography? Right time, Satan's tricky out there. He wants to catch you when you are least expecting it. You think you, you don't have to struggle with uh, bitterness or unthankfulness or, or you think you're, you got everything under control, you might lose your job. You don't know what's gonna come at you. But you gotta be ready and say, when I restore somebody else, I wanna make sure that my heart is tethered to God's word. My heart is anchor to god 's word, I am thinking biblically so I can correct bi- biblically i 'm not going to go off the path i 'm going to make sure that my pursuit and my love for Christ is intact though I could fall that 's going to be my pursuit. why? so I could pursue other people I can su- pursue my brothers and love I can care for them men I-, I think these men conference are super important for us because we, we don't like to get involved in each other's lives. Right, we do a men's conference, and it, it's tough to get 200, 300 men in a room. We do a men's retreat, right? 50, 100, maybe 150 people sign up. Why? Because, oh, we got to spend a weekend with the guys? I don't want to do that. You do a women's retreat, right? 300 people, it's sold out, right? They want to hang out. They want to talk. They want to fellowship. They want to get involved in each other's lives. We don't wanna do that. That means we have to do this all the more. We have to get involved in each other's lives. We have to be intentional, we have to be proactive. We have to say yes when we wanna say no to it. When we don't wanna ask the questions, when we don't wanna just get coffee with somebody. Why, because I got other things to do, I got work to do. We got work to do in each other's lives. You got to make the time to pursue each other. You got to be thoughtful and ask the right questions. Why? Because they need you and you need them. It's my hope, it's my prayer that if you are not plugged in, if you don't have some solid brothers, by the end of this conference, you will have at least people that you can pursue as solid brothers. That's why we're doing fellowship activities after the conference tomorrow. And you might be, oh, I'm here for the teaching. Great, I gotta hear Pastor Mike. You're here for me. You gotta hear Pastor PJ. Then I'm out. Why? Because I don't need to hang out with the guys. I don't need to golf. I don't need a mountain bike. I don't have to bowl. We're we're not doing that stuff to go do activities because we want to do the activities. We're doing those things so we can fellowship with one another. We can build relationships with one another. Why? So we can be brothers that love each other that can be there for each other, that can correct and admonish and support and restore each other when it's needed to be there for each other. That's my prayer for you guys that we will be very intentional to pursue these relationships. Why? Because it's biblical. Because God wants you in relationships with other people, other men that can call you out to restore you. To pray for you, to love you, to care for you. So let me pray that for you right now. God, we thank you for your word. God, we understand that we are not perfect, we fall short all the time. And I love the prayer of David where he says, If there's any offensive way, God, if there's anything going on in my life, point that out to me. He, he wants to know it. God, and we are so blinded to our sin. But so often, other people can see our sin quite clearly, and we need people to point that sin out to us. And I pray that we would have that receptive heart, that we would want that. We would want brothers in our lives that would help us see our sin. Why? So we can confess it, we can repent of it, we can seek your forgiveness. We could be restored to a right relationship with you, and horizontally to right relationships with other people that we have sinned against. God, I pray that you would give us boldness to be able to speak truth to one another, to love one another where we'd call each other out, where we would not let sin just pass by and not care and not have the love that we should have for one another. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this men's conference that we can get together. God, I pray for men in here that were bold and they signed up and they don't know anybody. God, I pray that you would lead them, direct them, to build some good, solid, godly relationships with other brothers here. God, help us to have that unity that we would spur one another on, we would push one another to be more like Christ. God, we thank you for your time, this time in the word. God, we pray that we would leave here more like Christ. I ask this all in your son's name, amen. Amen.